first of all, thank you for all the help that you have given to this monastery and to this uh, community and to this teacher. And if you can, we have a lot of projects going on. The Garuda House meant to support and help young people who are in need of support. We already have the building. And then also the Buddha Hall, which is the converting this uh, building next door. We will be asking more directly as we go along for help since a monastery uh, does not really generate any funds. The title of this morning's Dharma talk is similar to what I've been talking about a lot lately is <clears throat> observe your production. So observe, we know what that is, observe what arises in the mind stream. And the idea here is to encourage you to observe what you produce on the cushion and all the time. We're always producing something. Quite often that production may look to our initial uh, observation or thought process. It may look like just something it's okay to do. And of course, is it? Sure, it is. But look at the way the thought production is covering up what it is you need to see. So first of all, you need to see the first lamination, the second lamination, then the third lamination of thoughts that conceal the truth. And what is the truth? You need to find out. There are words, there are concepts, there are ideas that describe this all over the place. This has been going on for 2,500 years, if not more. So the idea is to observe. In other words, receive whatever is happening without your comment on it. If you can, if you can emphasize, prioritize just the observation of the thought rather than add on to the thought with more thoughts about the thought. Thinking about, thinking about, thinking about tends to create an incredible matrix that prevents us from seeing our true nature. It prevents us from seeing, shall I use a highly uh, descriptive uh, word that we have no idea what it means, reality. What is reality? Find out. It can't be described to you. It can't be given to you. It can't, you can't be shoved into it. But you can avoid it, and you can avoid it lifetime after lifetime after lifetime. Is this true? doesn't need to be true. This is, is there a sound? Yeah, relatively true. We can do that all day long. You can spend your whole life going to relative truth. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. It's bad. They shouldn't have. I shouldn't have. He shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that. I need to get control of myself. He needs to get control of himself. On and on and on. It's a constant production of other, other they should, they shouldn't, I should, they shouldn't. Is it incorrect? No, relatively, it is totally correct and perfect. You could take it to a court of law, get an attorney who could, you could sue reality. <clears throat> it is about seeing this directly. You see it directly yourself. It is about awakening to your true nature and to your Buddha nature. Not easy as you I've noticed most people are not here. They're out doing other things, which, which is not wrong. It's totally correct. People should live their lives however they want to. But if you come before this old man and you give me permission, then I'm going to give you some instructions about this with your permission. If I don't have your permission, I probably would just listen to you if you have anything to say. So observe your 
your production. Observe the way you are producing thoughts, ideas, opinions, conclusions, explanations, analysis, logic, on and on and on. All of these are just one drapery after another that covers up the fundamental truth of your true nature, that you are not this consciousness that is submerged into this body. It is not the fundamental consciousness is not separate from anything anywhere. There is no identity anywhere. That is unreal. If you see it, then this identity, when it does, when this body does go back into the elements, any one of the four, that the consciousness uh, does not necessarily uh, believe that that is happening or go with that or think that somehow you are actually disappearing. Question? Any questions so far? I can keep going all day. Go ahead. As you were explaining that going back into the ground, the body and the consciousness, not believing that necessarily. Can, I'm wondering how that relates to just like a thought form that shows up as a thought form comes and disappears in consciousness. What does he want to know about? How is that like death? Anything that shows up is going away. So you could say it's that everything is dying all the time. The thought comes up and then it goes away. And then we, so we could say that's a kind of death. The body shows up and is here for 60 or 70 years or whatever it may be. And then, then it comes apart and goes away. But you don't go anywhere. Go ahead. So will thought formations like the opinions, judgments, and ideas live Forever, as no, if no, that's the, the thoughts are, are rising. It's a relative situation. It just doesn't have. Uh, it isn't solidly present like this. Kotsu is present. You can hear it. So where the thoughts, they're there, but you can't really. You can think a thought, and you can think about thinking, right? and you can do all kinds of production in that way. But it doesn't have. Uh, it doesn't have the the solidity. It's not a arising it's something you're experiencing but you're experiencing it in consciousness so it, it may not have any any uh, substantiality in in the room that you're in other than you turn it into words or comments you you turn it into your vocal cords and you start telling somebody about what you've been thinking it's still not what you've been thinking it's language uh, about that more so it's, we're not trying to stop thinking, at least I'm not teaching that, uh, trying to see that there is no real identity behind the thought. The thought is dependently arisen. Praticha samapada. <laughs> racing to the computer to try to stop the random noises in the background. Did it get close? I think I have more questions, but I'll wait. So you're observing what you're producing and what you're producing to some extent in some way is just part of karma. It's just part of causes and conditions. It's just you do this, do that. You see this and see that, listen to this, smell this, taste this, think this, and then production comes out of that that is, that is a dependently arisen. And then we do something with it. 
And then we, oh, we don't like that, or we don't want to think that, or why do I keep thinking that? Or there I go again, worrying about things that have no direct cause or don't seem to be important. Constant comment, constant conversation with ourselves about things. Have you noticed the conversations you have with yourself? What do you do with those? Any number of things. Which one? Good things, bad things, something. Tell me about the good things. Good things. <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know. I just yakin. Yakin. Here there's a Tekasavakalina. You know. Anything else? I'm I'm imagining many, many deaths, like many, many deaths as you talk about karma and thoughts and things showing up. Yes. And those many deaths. How do we how do we respect that process so that things can continue to die? Good way to good a good way to say, just observe it, and observing it can be observing how you can't quite observe it. That's also awareness. That's also observing what is occurring. Don't meddle with it. The temptation of the self-centered mind, the ego mind, the narcissistic mind, uh, is to try to manipulate, control, shut things down, ramp things up. To, to get in there and do something about it. And what's being recommended here, you could even say taught here is don't do anything with it. Don't turn away from it, ignorance. Don't fluff it up, passion. And don't tamp it down or push it away, uh, aggression. Those are the three that we're, we are observing or watching. There won't be a success story. If there is, if there's any kind of credential or any kind of accomplishment, any kind of progress happening, this is relative truth. And it's not wrong. Relatively, it's fine. And you will have, uh, if you practice uh, this uh, path uh, completely uh, and totally and put everything you have into it, then you will have so-called side effects. You will have, probably will be arguing with people less. You'll be listening to people more. And you will be feeling the negativity in your mind stream without blaming someone, without blaming this, without blaming anything. Just be responsible for your feelings and your emotions, not as a person, but as as consciousness, because that's what this teaching is. Consciousness only, as that banner says in the back, perception only, just the perception, not what's being perceived and not who is perceiving it. Those two, that's the duality that is so powerful in bringing us into a, a trance of relative truth that we think we are somebody going somewhere. Not so. But as I've said hundreds of times, don't believe me. Consider it. Watch your own mind stream. Observe the way you're producing anything, your ideas, your feelings, your emotions. There's some kind of production going on there with no producer. And the production quite often is run by fear. You need to cover that up. You need to just not think about that. And what's said, being said, as, as uh, Trungpa Rinpoche said, we have to, speaking to people who give him permission, students, people who are on the path of the Buddha's Dharma, 
say we have to march directly into disappointment, which sounds might sound like some kind of nihilism or pessimism, but it's just you need to turn into the negativity that is showing up in the mind stream rather than cover it with ideas, causes, conditions, and all the other structures we give to it. Not that those situations aren't relatively true. Of course they are. But it's not a spiritual path. It's a mundane path of correcting, examining, slowing down, speeding up, moving this way, paint it red, paint it black, as the Rolling Stones once said. So do something with it. Do something with it. Whereas the awareness practice is just receive it. Just feel, feel deeply, feel all the way to the center of the earth if you need a romantic description. Feel it everywhere, all the time, completely, thoroughly. Receive this world that is, is a, that is showing up in your mind stream as an apparent other. It's not other, it is you. This is your, this is what, what this is, is not separate from you. Everywhere you look, you see yourself. That may not have appeared yet in your mind stream, but if you continue to look, Everything turns into a mirror. Further questions? That that boy right there. Shurlavowing. Do we observe our production by minimizing our production? Paraphrase yourself. Probably wonder why I say it that way. It's because I didn't hear what he said. You know, that's what that's like. Yeah. Go ahead. Nothing else is coming up. Sorry. Well, then repeat what you said. Do we observe our production by minimizing our production? No. No. Well, kind of. No. We don't. <laughs> That whole area is a good area to ask about, but that whole area be on on receive as much as possible in that area. You'll notice some production happening in that area in that area by being by receiving just as much as you can. And then you'll notice that there's areas where you're pushing back, you're trying to fill something in. That's also uh, to be observed. Young man. Further. That what is your teaching of less is better or don't hook up the vocal cords? It's just a relative. I mean, you can use that. Sometimes that's going to show up for you or nothing else. Just shut up. You've had emotions come up and you maybe in, in, in the past in a relationship or in uh, with a person in the Sangha or a person at, at, at Walmart or, or, the, or your family, any other social milieu or a structure you found yourself commenting and saying something back uh, you might want to just not say anything and just receive whatever shows up no matter how bad it tastes i say taste i mean in terms of how it feels i'm just using that as a one of the sense fields more no, yeah, thank you. was it divine you just the phrase you just used the phrase trance of relative truth Yes. Is slowing everything down by sitting on the cushion and holding still, is there something about the stillness or slowness that breaks that trance? I don't know if it breaks it, but it, 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 it makes that uh, 
that tendency that we have to grasp onto something and hold it there and maintain that uh, that entrainment or that trance. So it makes it uh, over time. It just uh, isn't. It it will start to come apart. Any kind of uh, the other word is fixation or trance. We're fixated on it. So if we just look at it, don't do anything with it. Don't justify it. Explain it. Don't uh, push it away or accuse that of something or say, well, that can't be happening. And also don't necessarily turn away or distract yourself into, you know, a game of Euchre. You can play Euchre, just be aware of what you're, why you're playing Euchre. Why are you playing Euchre? Oh, okay. Bowing, what is it about the practice that helps us see through that trance? I think it's the stillness and the steadiness and consciousness is already liberated, uh, but it's tied into a body-mind complex, a lifetime. Uh, everything about your life, your mom, your dad, your story about your family, your things that happened to you when you were eight years old that you still remember. We continue to uh, re um, recall and remember and use those memories and just the feeling of being here having your your hands and your arms and your face and your your body temperature and everything is saying here here i'm here this is me this is mozuku this is sogazan the constant chatter of relative truth to establish ourselves in a, in a personality this is why the the teaching uh, talks about personhood that we're to be free of personhood doesn't mean the consciousness goes away the consciousness is actually liberated and is no longer contained or fixated on a self that needs protecting or a self that needs advancing or the self that needs anything. It doesn't need anything. Who you are does not need anything more. What are, what am I buying into if off the cushion, I think I need stillness. You need stillness. Yeah, but there's just this sharp contrast between the cushion and off the cushion. It's okay. And yeah, off the cushion, can, can the practice make everyday life feel more claustrophobic? If you spent the, the first you know, 20, 30 years or whatever it is of avoiding everything, then when you come into this particular way of working with the mind, a lot of that is going to show up that you now you're in a practice where you are asked to just look at the nature of the mind, watch the mind come and go, watch thoughts arise, turn this way and that way and look for a self and then they fade away. If they find a self, then that, then that self, that aspect of the consciousness starts producing ideas about this and about that. And there's this, um, this rotation going on in the mind stream, just generally discursive thought coming and going which some teachings say label the thinking and return to the breath. And I don't do that. And I don't do it because it's wrong. I, I don't, I teach uh, differently because of uh, decades of doing that practice. And I'm saying the practice that you need to do is you can call it whatever you want, but I'm calling it chicken taza, sit down, hold still, watch everything that's moving in any of them. And in any of the, the, the sense fields, including the mind. Just observe them. Take no position. And if you do take a position, then watch that. 
Do we need to find an aspect of stillness off the cushion to see things clearly off the cushion? I don't think so. You don't need to find anything. What could I ask if there's something to <laughs> Well, you could say, well, why not? <laughs> why not? Because. <laughs> there, is, there is a, there is a, Something we need to discover and need to, if we're here and we're studying the, the Buddha's Dharma, the awakened truth, which is a translation of Buddha's Dharma, awake, the, the truth of awake, of being awake to this. We're not talking about the political woke stuff, that's uh, political uh, uh, astronomy. But we are talking about, I'm talking about encouraging you to see directly your mind without accepting it, rejecting it, accepting passion, rejecting aggression, or ignoring it, ignorance. And that is done down as Bodhidharma did centuries and centuries ago. He looked at the wall for nine years. That doesn't mean he didn't go have lunch. Of course he did. But he spent nine years, according to the legend or story, just ball gazing. That's where we get chicken thousand from. It's not that the Buddha didn't do that also. More than likely he did. More? Yuhong bowing. Yuhong. Can you hear me? No, I can't hear you. Of course I can hear I can you. speak. Thank you, Yuhong bowing. <laughs> the, the production the tendency to production, sometimes I feel is spontaneous. Sometimes yes. I feel is self-centered. When yes. the chatter doing less arises, should I do, should I do something to minimize the chatter? No, no. you're doing this, the way you talk about this, the way your, your, your preamble to your actual question just tells me you're doing exactly what you need to do. Don't adjust, don't do anything with it. The only thing you need to do is get to the cushion, sit down, and even the holding still or stillness and the sitting symmetrical is gonna show up a little bit different each time. That's also awareness. There's no way to, to, to return to some kind of a perfect state, but, the, but we endeavor to hold very still so we can watch the movement in the mind or in any of the sense fields, come and go, come and go. By watching that, eventually what is revealed, and this takes time, is that there's no observer. There's no personhood there. It's extremely convincing that there is somebody called me or I. And we can use that, that those um, uh, pronouns. It's not a problem. It's just that there's no actual, that's just a reference point, that there's no actual identity there. If you think there is, you'll not only suffer yourself, but you'll probably help other people to keep suffering too. So you're doing fine, just like you're doing. The important thing is return to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the three jewels, the teacher, the teaching, and the community. Sangha is very important. And that's where we have a pretty strong Sangha. We meet several times a week for study and uh, Dharma talks and so on. So you're doing fine, just keep going. Thank you, Bowen. Certainly. You said consciousness is already liberated. Yes. 
when when you're talking about production, is there production that comes out of consciousness for us on the path? So the, there's different ways of breaking it up. And the way I would respond to your question, the way I am responding to your question, is there is a production that is not produced by a producer, but it comes out of dependent origination, pratitya samutpada, fancy words for something that is extremely uh, ordinary, is not fancy, but it's hard to see because of our tendency to want to find something else. The elseness of what is happening starts to come apart and we just see this it's just this if there's a dog barking over there it's still just this we, it's not that we don't notice the dog barking hear the dog barking see the dog barking and maybe it's our dog but we but it doesn't show up as some other event or other situation it's just part of the whole to use the uh, the, the word that shows up uh, the name of the movie the, the matrix just a lot of little particles all getting together to create this illusion of otherness. It's an illusion. It is unreal. It's vividly unreal and emptiness. Yet there's still form to quote uh, Trungpa Rinpoche in his sadhana of Mahamudra. What was the next line from that? Whatever you hear is the echo of emptiness, yet real. Whatever you hear is the echo of emptiness, yet real. What is that? What is he? Pointing at there. What is that about? <clears throat> Don't answer that. Yes. You and Bowie, I'm wondering is there something about suffering in particular that makes it the path? What is it about suffering that makes it the path? So we, consciousness is just consciousness and it's not a person. And consciousness, because of the relative situation of there being big balls of dirt in the middle of nowhere, some of them on fire, they're called suns, and it creates an incredible array of apparent otherness. And in that dynamic, going back, what, probably billions, trillions of years, the whole situation, the, the, the whole complex of elements comes together in such a way that it starts to produce uh, living beings. And what is there also is the consciousness that is not separate from all of those balls of dirt. It's, just, it's not it's not the same thing, but it's not other than that either. So it is an illusion of separation. It's an illusion that we're here and that something else is over there. Got to get close. What is it? How does turning into towards facing the suffering allow us a path to liberate because if you don't do that you continue to go in the circularity that's called samsara and that circularity is shows up everywhere the atoms the molecules are all going in circles the planets the sun and the moon are going in circles uh, your mind is going in circles everything that has a presence or a physical situation is circular but reality it doesn't have any movement doesn't do anything at all that's all relative stuff so it seems to be necessary for you or me or any of us to sit down and just watch the movement watch the circularity because that which is observing the circularity is not circular until it is 
And when it is, then you've, you've understood what this is. Then there's no, the work is over. The, the job is uh, complete. Don't look at me that way. No, that's better. Anything else you want to know? When you're bowing is suffering illusion? Yes. When does it become delusion? Well, it starts out as a delusion. Suffering starts out as delusion? Yeah. So I'm kind of dyslexic. So I thought you said illusion, but you said delusion. Did you, were you talking about the delusion or the illusion? Yes. Which one do you want to know about? When you're bowing, when does suffering, the illusion of suffering become delusion? Bowing. It becomes, uh, you become delusionary when you think that's something that should not be happening, that, that, some, that you don't deserve this. And you use that to reify the belief in somebody who has been offended or been hurt, shouldn't be happening. And it is an illusion when you see that nothing else, nothing, this over here didn't cause this over here. The cause and effect are much more complicated than just this caused that. Much more behind it. What caused this? What caused the, the table? Who brought the table in here? The, the dependent origination is incredibly vast. It's just all over. Uh, you, you can't track it down. Not that people don't try to do that, but they're tracking down a relative situation. Like a really good attorney can take facts in a particular situation and kind of find out who caused what and who's to blame and who's not. But you can't do that with reality. You can't do it with the spiritual path because it's not a circle. Does illusion ever go away? You want it to go away? There's just something about that that feels like there's something else to be seen. Like not illusion? Yeah. Yes. And what is that? Uh, awakening. Every, everything you see is both real and unreal at the same time. The illusion and the delusion are not separate from each other. The Buddhas uh, and sentient beings are not separate from each other. Also, they're not the same. The whole polarity of everything, the this and that, this and that, that, is, that, is, uh, that drives the whole world crazy and drives the whole world to war, those are unreal. They have no substance as something. Nothing has any substance as something because it is not separate. It's also not the same. We're using relative words and language to, to try to describe something that is ineffable. It, is, uh, uh, it's, um, it has no, it has no, uh, there, there's not even any, there are not even, there is not any qualities to it that you can pin down. You can say, this is it. Oh, now we've got it. More? When you're bowing, so you often talk about the Zogchen, a great perfection or perfect. Everything is perfect just as it is. Yes. 
Is there any illusion in perfection? Yes, it's, it's completely illusion. It's unreal, but it's still perfect. It is a way of teaching so that beings who are suffering uh, will um, have a deeper understanding of what is so confusing of trying to get this and stop that and control this and this won't go away and this suffering or that suffering or that frustration and all of the various things that happen in our mind stream that are so painful and difficult. So the great perfection is, is basically saying, stop it, just stop trying to fix anything and, and see what is right in front of you. Where is it? It was right in front of you. Just that perfect. Not this little piece of wood, not that just anything that's in front of you is the great perfection and is Mahamudra, the great symbol, Tibetan words that come from ancient times that were People back then were trying to find a way to what, for what they were seeing to bring that into concepts and talk about it in such a way that might, they might be able to possibly help some people to train their minds to see clearly. This is what the Buddha was endeavoring to do, as far as I understand it. Is it necessary to understand emptiness in order to see the great perfection? No. The way you're asking it, I'm saying to understand it conceptually, the way it is sometimes sometimes explained. Simple explanation is things are empty of what you think they are. So we look at everything, and for one thing, we think everything is separate. So it's empty of that. It's 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 not present. So, but it is full of what it is, and what is it? Not separate. Radiance, but it's not a radiance like that comes and goes like the sun goes behind the clouds, goes behind the earth, or the earth goes behind the sun. Which one is it, do you know? The earth is flat, so I'm not sure. <laughs> so what's that? It's like one side of a pancake? No. Turtles all the way down. Turtles? Yeah, Junker and Patre once talked about a big blue pancake. He said the sky is like a big blue pancake. Not sure what he was pointing at. Yes. Go ahead, Susan. Susan? I think it was you home. Hmm? You home. Whoever was bowing. You uh, bowing. Yeah, go ahead, you Are all the forms of suffering illusion bowing? Everything that shows up, suffering or not, it's not saying that uh, nerve endings aren't being abraded. I'm not saying that, that 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 isn't happening, but the fundamental understanding is that it is unreal. All of them. Everything is unreal. But it has a presence that is, it's just like the, uh, the one I often use, because I think most of us know what it is and will maybe resonate with it, just like a, a Stephen King, a, a, a movie based on a, a novel by Stephen King, who is incredibly um, good at building up fantasies and unreality in the form of horror or scary stuff. If you watch that, even though you know it's unreal, it's still scary or it still will cause you to maybe look away when something horrible is about to happen. <laughs> so it's, but it's unreal. It's a fabrication. You can bowing. I have one more question. 
Um, the great perfection is ordinary. Yes. And at the same time, is it perfect, Harry? Yes, it's not two. So any two-ness is unreal. Chisho, do you have a question, or are you just frustrated by the music you're listening to? Chisho, <laughs> I know I'm just nodding my head, the Indian nod, Bobby. <laughs> what, what's he doing? Indian nod. Oh, it's an Indian nod. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to learn that. Indian nod. Okay, good. Were the questions in here? Ondo. Ondo Bang, is it possible for us on the path to see something clearly? To see. What are you thinking about? I'm thinking about the time that uh, 40 plus years ago when you uh, received. Uh, everything, nothing sleeps. Everything's awake. Okay, what's the question about? Uh, did you see that uh, in the midst of also seeing other things that you were covering up? Yes. And that was like, a, it, was, uh, it wasn't particularly mystical. And it was in a retreat hut that I built in 1977. And it was just, I woke up in the morning and and it's like I heard a voice in my head, and it might have been my voice, I don't know, it said, nothing sleeps. And that was the end of my thought process for several hours. And then thoughts eventually started showing up again. And I went, I went right back into my own personal form of insanity. So in that moment, would you say consciousness only? And then after that, you were aware of, of your... You know, I have no idea. I, I just know that that was a, a powerful thing that happened then. And I didn't, you know, I tried to make something of it, but it just, it wasn't allowing it. It was too direct. And so therefore it, it uh, faded out over time. Yes. So then when we're seeing like little insights, is that consciousness, the same sort of thing? Like Could, could be. There's a, the Japanese tradition is called Kensho, or insight into your true nature. So you may have some flashes of who you are that may go beyond the duality that ego is normally trying to maintain or get some kind of a, a struggle with. So you may have some of those, but but they don't, uh, but for one thing, they don't last and they're not, uh, the idea isn't to reinforce those or try to return to them. The idea is to continue to watch whatever moves, even if it seems crazier or or painful, or uh, uh, delusionary, or illusionary, no matter what it is, whatever is moving, just observe. Go ahead. Divine, so are those moments where we have uh, received whatever was produced by dependent origination and then just not covered up? What? <laughs> uh, are those Kensho moments, those moments of insight? produced by dependent origination. And we, in that moment, have not covered it up. Is that a question or not? <laughs> you know what you asked me? I think I do. Well, then I'd say yes to what you asked me. So with that answer, is it saying I've just produced a whole bunch of stuff? What? <laughs> with with when you when you answered yes yeah. to my convoluted question, was it 
You're saying, yes, I produced a bunch of stuff. No. What are you saying, Alan? You tell me. How did you understand it? How did you how how did you understand it? I guess I understood that what I was trying to describe is something that you would not object to. <laughs> okay, well you succeeded. What? Anything else? Sir? Hello. What's a life? Is what? What is a sane life? Sane? No more war. No fighting with anything. No matter what comes down the pike, no fighting, no war, no war. You, you can't go to war with your, with your child. You could. There's people that fight with their children, of course, but you don't, it's that close to you. you don't, no more war. Don't agree, don't disagree, and don't ignore. And this way you see that everything becomes mirror-like. I'm not saying you, it's, it's a, functions like a mirror where you see your body in someone else, but you see that you're not separate from others. Is there a question that someone spoke up? Okay, go ahead. What causes illusion to arise? Bowing. So the illusion that we become deluded by, and therefore a delusion, uh, is, uh, is the consciousness that has curled up into a ball of uh, identity or me that is aligned with a body that, that helps us separate ourselves from everything is afraid. So it is fear, fear of other, fear of fear of anything, some kind of a, a fear of open space, fear of claustrophobia, claustrophobia, agoraphobia, um, xenophobia, all the other phobias, just fear anything that is, that is other than us. And so the path to liberation helps us see that we are not separate from anything or anyone anywhere at all. That's completely untrue. You can't, the consciousness, uh, it's, it's paradoxical because anytime you try to establish it as a, a logical or reasonable statement about anything, it just comes apart because nothing is fundamentally separate from anything else. Did I get close to your... Uh... I have a follow-up. <clears throat> um, does consciousness arise or is it always the case? Bowing. Consciousness uh, is, is always there, but it aligns with um, the sense fields. So, but consciousness is always the case, even when you're sound asleep. But I say, as I've often said, don't believe anything I've said. Look at it yourself. Find out yourself so that you understand it yourself. Thank you. Welcome. Further questions? Oh, my Thank you, Go ahead, Sanchu. 
Senshi bowing. Um, when you point directly at reality, when you point us or point, um, oh, what's my question? When you point directly at reality, is that pointing subtle? And really what I'm wondering is how do we miss direct pointing, bowing? Uh, because you see, you think you don't see it, or you think you see it, you take some kind of position on it. There's no way to point at reality. There's no pointer, there is no a solid separate identity anywhere. It's an incredible illusion. Look how, look how much this looks like something. It's amazing. Is this something? Is there something? Is there someone here? Yes, there's a body here and there are bodies here. Breathing, eating food, sleeping, waking up, rotation, rotation, rotation. Uh, Mahesh Bowen. Mahesh, go ahead. Um, so I'm trying to understand the uh, method of uh, sitting. Um, so right now, when I sit, especially I have a question on like, what 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 is this observing that uh, you talk about? Uh, because when I sit, what I notice is uh, I'm, I'm just I'm sitting facing the wall and uh, I'm not specifically focusing on any of the sense fields. Uh, again, I'm not lost. And then uh, I'm sitting like that. And slowly what happens is a thought arises and I grab onto, grab onto the thought and I'm now thinking I'm lost in the thought process. I'm not, I'm not aware of anything. And then suddenly I realize that I'm caught up in thought. I'm back. Um, so all I need, I don't need to do anything here. I just need to continue to sit again. Uh, and again, I get grabbed again. I get lost in another thought and I come back. So is there anything to do here? Uh, is there anything to observe or anything? It's just like I don't need to do anything. I just need to sit there. And uh, whenever, the, whenever I realize I'm back from the thought chain, I just continue to sit. So is there anything additional that you're recommending, um, especially when you say observe? Boeing. No, thank you for the question, Mahesh. It looks like you're doing exactly what I'm what I'm calling is uh, shikantaza. And that, that is a process whereby you just observe what arises and come, and then you notice your awareness, you tell me, you go, you go away and then you come back, and then you go away and you come back. That's, that's the process of, uh, of sitting meditation as I teach it. So just watch what comes and goes and comes and goes. Eventually, by not grasping at what comes and by, by not tagging along after what goes, by doing nothing with it other than just receive the appearance, receive the d disillusion, uh, eventually you see that what is coming and going is is unreal. It has a reality that is very relative. It's for a moment you weren't thinking anything, and now you're thinking about uh, getting your laundry done or something like that. So you notice that coming and going. Don't do anything with it. Uh, don't 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 particularly add or try to receive a credential or anything at all. So the way you ask the question, I would say, yes, just keep going. No, there's nothing else to do. There is no accomplishment here. If there's an accomplishment, we just left the, the spiritual path. 
The mundane path is full of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, success and failure. And you may have to spend some time rotating around in that circular fashion. But if you have a, if you have a teacher and you have a, a teaching, which we do, and you have a, a community, which we do, then these three will help, will support you. Just this uh, situation where I'm endeavoring to teach uh, uh, the truth. And we have a community who we're all endeavoring to, we're doing this together. And then, so I don't know what else, what else to say. Other than we just keep going. It's very difficult. Samsara is, as the Buddha said 2,500 years ago, life is suffering. And it's not, it's not nihilism or negativity or it's not just true. Our, our nerve endings, uh, both uh, on our fingertips and uh, in my case, my, my, my right hand is sore. I'm having difficulty doing almost anything with that. I still managed to pick up a cup of coffee, which is probably because of the coffee. But pain of pain. The pain of alternation. Things are okay right now, but what if everything goes to hell all of a sudden? So then we, we start to be start to suffer before anything is even gone. Uh, uh, Mahesh Bowing, uh, I have another question, um, especially with relation to what is the role of a teacher? Uh, what does teacher uh, actually like? Uh, you mentioned once in one of your talks that the student needs to give the permission. Uh, so what is the teacher then doing? Uh, is it like uh, do they adjust, do they work with the student's consciousness in some way, uh, with their mind stream in some way that helps them progress? Or um, And also, I think in another context, I remember you mentioned, uh, I think in one of the recent talks, um, that the teacher needs to be willing to experience all the suffering that the student is going through, uh, however neurotic they may be, um, uh, and and they just do that because they don't have a self. The teacher doesn't have a self, so they just jump into it. I don't know. Uh, so I'm not sure what you want to know. What, get, make it very simple. I'm a very simple guy. Yeah. So my question is, how does working with the teacher help the student progress? Um, is it is there something the teacher is doing? Um, um, like passing on some energy, or or is something happening there? No, it's not. It's not separate. There's nothing to be passed on. Uh, at the same time, there there can be the illusion that that's happening. So it's a very powerful dynamic between the teacher and the student. And I I'm, I think it's so completely different between each student teacher combination. The energy that's happening there, or however you want to characterize it. Very, very different. If the teacher is a true teacher, and my definition for for a, a true teacher is a person whose consciousness who, who teaches out of what they're looking at, not what they believe or what they know. They're not teaching out of knowledge. I mean, not relative knowledge. They're, even though there's lots of relative knowledge in the provisional teachings, tons of it. The Four Noble Truths, the Eightfold Path, the Twelve Links, and so on and so forth. The realms, but. One who actually sees what this is can actually speak speak out of that seeing, uh, and especially by being asked a question. You're asking me a question. That's why I sometimes say, "What is it you want to know?" So I can give you a response out of that, out of what I'm seeing, because I'm looking at something that you are looking at. Also, you just don't see what it is. You see what you think it is because you're protecting yourself 
as a self-centered uh, entity, you think there's something threatened, not just you, but we all do. We think something is threatened and we have to make sure we don't look bad. We don't make a, make a silly question or do anything. So I'm saying, if you can tell me directly what you want to know about the teacher, I will endeavor to respond in as clear a way as I can. Uh, Mahesh Boeing. Uh, so, so I, th I think my question is more in general of uh, how does uh, like why do we even need to work with the teacher? How like because in uh, coming like in general in Indian traditions they talk about shakti path or energy energy transfer something the teacher does that awakens the student awaken. I, is there something of that sort happening in Zen or uh... so? I so I sometimes I I would say. I mean, it shows up in different traditions. Shaktipat is something, I mean, I could do that. I can go and zap everybody on top of the head. And occasionally I might show up a little bit that way, but it's not because I feel like I have some kind of magical energy or uh, uh, what is it, uh, Adistana uh, that comes down that I bring some kind of powerful teaching down. No, it's already here. It's here all the time. It's here all the time. So just my words might be all the Shaktipat you need. It's a, it's a it's a different tradition uh, than out of uh, ancient ancient times. In the in ancient times, it was seemed to be necessary to have that kind of a uh, that kind of a dynamic happening. I, I I don't know. Maybe it still is. Maybe I'm missing the point. But I teach out of what I see. I'm seeing you. I'm seeing everyone in this room, and I'm nobody. So I I just get out of the way, and the teaching shows up. You actually get what you need from this teacher. Is that a advertisement or something? No, I don't promise anything. So I appreciate your questions. Very good. Do you have anything else? Uh, no, thank you. Yeah. Whatever shows up is it, Mahesh. There isn't anything else, including Shaktipat. Further questions? Sir. Why do production and reception look like two different things if they're fundamentally not separate? Just, just illusion and delusion and the tendency to want to grasp at this and reject that. Protect an imaginary self that is really not threatened. There's nothing threatened anywhere. Um, are dreams produced out of the original dependent? So yes, dreams that show up are, are dependently risen and they are tied in with that aspect of the consciousness that is still grasping in itself. Even though your body is asleep, uh, the, the structures in the consciousness that have been, uh, the, that are showing up from everything, from your childhood, from things that have happened to you that you shut down on, from things that you happened, that have happened to you that you grasped, all of those, uh, are, are dependently arisen and are showing up uh, in your mind stream in, in the dream state. So there's nothing to fix. There's nothing, nothing to correct. But there's a there's quite a bit to see there. So spend as much time as you can observing. Jen Bowling. Go ahead, Jen. Did you say earlier that when when if and when we see through what this is, our actions will come directly out of dependent origination at that point? Yes. Okay. And but as I understand it my current actions also arise out of dependent origination? Yes, but it looks like it's happening to a person. You, we personified it. There's a personhood in there. That's also dependently arisen, but it just looks like a, a being like me, and we use the a relationship to the body to reify and, and reestablish that belief in, in somebody who can win or lose, someone who's going somewhere, 
someone who is uh, dying, someone who is just born. So all of the polarities that we show, we just uh, that show up in our life. And when I say uh, everything comes out of dependent origination, you just stop fighting with everything and you actually don't miss your life anymore. You actually live the life and it might not be particularly comfortable. Uh, the life that's showing up in your mind right now uh, needs to occur. What happens in your body mind complex needs to occur, not because it has a need, but because it's dependently risen. There's no personhood there. The illusion of personhood is astonishingly, astonishingly magnetic and seductive to, into thinking that we're somebody and we need to stop that. We're somebody and we need to get more of that and we need to not die. <laughs> it's not that you shouldn't take medications or see the doctor. Of course you should. It's a very ordinary situation you're doing that. There's no demand. The demand, the fist pounding, I've got to have this. This can't happen. That's uh, um, you know, that's the demand is the one that reinforces the self-centeredness and causes, I can say it this way, and it might not be this way, but the way it looks and causes us to go into another, if we pass away in the midst of that confusion, we will look for another lifetime where we can get what we want. Don't believe any of this. You see it. See it for yourself. The, the Shakti pot or the Hadistana or the, the uh, anointing or the, what is that other word where you're, what do we do in during, uh, like when we do a uh, Jukai, we use a, a, some leaves and we dip it in some water that's been purified and we just go through all those motions. Is there purification? Everything is already pure. It's already, this is, this is, uh, everything is totally, completely sacred and pure. So all we're doing is we're acknowledging that we're we're going with that original purity that is already the case. Jen Bowing. Yeah. Jen, go ahead. Is all are, is all of my production on top of dependent origination also dependently arisen and perfect? Yes, yes it is. No matter what I do. Pardon me. No matter what I do. <laughs> no matter what you do. No. Lucky you. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. We're we're not completely out of time, but I could probably take another question if there, especially from someone who hasn't has not asked a question. Other than Kambaiho, I'm not taking any questions from him. When he's five, when he when you get to be five, uh, Rumi, then I'll take some questions from you. No? Any more? Going, going, gone. There we go. Hi, my name is Kozan, and I'm a monk at Sokokoji, where I practice with the guidance of my teacher, Sokozan. We rely on your donations to support our programming of practice, study, and teachings, and to fund scholarships that help our full-time practice residents with tuition and living expenses. Thank you for helping our Sangha.